Hi, I'm a Wilkes. I'm a Nelson. I'm a Grop. And I'm a Spute. And we call ourselves the Wings. It's an acronym. We are just four ordinary moms with extraordinary bonds. The Lord gathers us all under His wings as a hen gathers her chicks. And we hope to offer a place to gather for our families, friends, and all who wish to join with us. So welcome to our podcast conversation, Under His Wings. Thank you for joining us for this third segment of our three-part series on Christ, the Master Healer. We know that Christ as the Master Healer has the power to give beauty for ashes. And someday he will dry the tears from our eyes. Today our theme is to let go and let God. We hope to help all of you know that you can come to have a personal relationship with your Savior. And we hope to help give examples from our experiences as well as some words of wise leaders to help you know how you can grasp the Savior's hand and walk with him. In the last two podcasts, we discussed how Christ, as the master healer, can help us when we suffer at the hands of others, things like physical and sexual abuse that we've covered, and as well as things that we suffer from the various challenges just of realities of mortality, like battling a debilitating illness or dealing with different mental illnesses, financial setbacks, so many things that many can relate to. Pain just doesn't come because of what others have done to us, but it also comes by watching those we love suffer. And sometimes it's the unrighteous or rebellious acts of the ones that we love that cause us the concern and frustration. We often feel guilty thinking that if only we would have done something better or different, our loved one wouldn't have this current problem. And we sometimes shoulder the guilt ourselves. Not that we should. No, but we do. But especially if it's a child. Yeah. You know, or a husband. Um, I know that I have a son who is a drug addict who is currently serving time in prison. I know as we started to try to help him with his addiction and and put him in treatment programs and did outpatient programs with him and got him all the help that we could, I kept asking myself, what could I have done different? What should I have done different? I, I was sure this must be some kind of parenting problem. Uh, you know, I was grateful I could look back and say, man, we went to church every week. We were doing family prayer. We were having family home evening. We were reading from the scriptures every day. And I just, I thought I had taught him right from wrong. Right. Right. So I must have messed up, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, over time, and thanks to him being willing to own his own decisions, he has reassured me over and over, Mom, there's nothing that you could have done different. You were a great mom. I knew better. I just made bad choices. So we just want to uh, talk for a minute about how we need to, yes, step in and do all we can to help our loved one, but we don't need to shoulder the blame. We can do all that's reasonably possible, love them, pray for them, and then lay that problem, that challenge, at the Savior's feet and let him help us um, carry that burden. Absolutely. And that as we do that, he will come with healing in his wings, that he can reassure us that we have done our part, and he can... I know that, oh, there are so many, many, many nights when I couldn't sleep. He would run away because 
you know, we were fairly strict at home and wanted to know where he was going and who he was with and what time he'd be home. And those are not the types of questions that a drug addict wants to answer, at least not truthfully. Yeah, <laughs> no. And so he would run away so that he could go and use drugs. Um, and we'd be gone days at a time and him being underage and you worry about that phone call in the middle of the night. Has he hurt someone or hurt himself? And what kind of trouble has he gotten into? And you knew that by the law you were responsible. And all those things are running through your heart and head when you're trying to sleep. And he was the oldest of nine children. And there was many nights that I would go in my mind. I wouldn't get down on my knees, but I would ask my Heavenly Father if I could spend some time with the Savior. And in my mind, I would go into a garden with him and just share all of my my worries and thoughts and feelings and just plead with him and ask him, will you please just help me and carry this burden, this worry for me for the night? I need to wake up feeling rested. I've got eight of their kids. I need to be my best for and to take care of tomorrow morning and time and time again. Just as I would say those words, I'd remember waking up the next morning. Oh, wow. And it was just wow. such a beautiful miracle. And, of course, the next morning he would gently lay that burden back on my shoulders because I loved my child, right? Mm -hmm. And often that's where that pain comes from is because you want something better for them. Right. But, but I'd be rested and I'd be able to, to go forward. And, and I testify that he, he will be there. He will be there to help you carry those burdens. Absolutely. He does. And it's, it's hard not to carry those ourselves. Um, it took me a long time and still things that I'm working on to let the Lord carry those burdens of our, my children's choices. And <clears throat> like you said, Sherry, it's easy to, it's easier to look back and say, Hey, Oh, okay, I did this and this and this, and, and it wasn't my fault. My kids' choices are not my fault. But <clears throat> as parents, we just, we do that. We we carry them ourselves. But I, in recent years, the Lord has really helped me to focus on the beautiful side of my children and and not keep looking. Satan wants us to look at everything they're doing wrong and everything we don't like about their choices and and, you know, and then, of course, focus on what's wrong with me as a mother. And um, I'm just so grateful for the Savior and the atonement that has carried me and lifted me and let me know that my, my children's choices are not my choices and, and that I can let go of that and I can love them because they are beautiful people. My kids are loving and caring and compassionate and good and you know and satan wants us to focus on all that's negative and i'm just so grateful for the savior teaching me that 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 that's not who they are i think our biggest job and what we can pray for is to see our children as the savior sees them yeah and when we can see their potential and ask him to show us that and we can share with them what we know of their potential and love them. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we can love them so much that they then see themselves as, um, as what they can be. And, um, 
I have a daughter who just wrote me the most amazing letter the other day saying that, Mom, you've always seen me better than I want to see myself, but you've taught me through that what I can be. That's and awesome. I just wanted her to feel that love and know that for sure. Well, it works that way in marriage too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> we need to be able to see our husbands as the they Savior really are as the Savior right. sees them. Yeah, I remember the Savior saying to me, when I was going through that with Chris and his grades were starting to fail and seemed like everything in his life was going downhill, the Lord telling me, focus on the positive. Awesome. And I remember wanting to argue with the Spirit and say, what positive? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really struggling here to find some positives. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this child is going to fail school. And the Spirit reminded me, it is your relationship that is eternal, yeah. not his grades. Oh, I like that. And so I just started to, anything good that I could notice, try to bring that out, mentioned it, build our, our relationship, because that was the only thing that really mattered. Yeah. All of this stuff, other stuff was just mortal. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That reminds me of a quote from an apostle in our church, Elder Richard G. Scott counseled, If ye are free from serious sin yourself, don't suffer needlessly the consequences of another's sins. You can feel compassion, yet you should not take upon yourself a feeling of responsibility. When you have done what is reasonable to help one you love, lay the burden at the feet of the Savior. As you so act, not only will you find peace, but will demonstrate your faith in the power of the Savior to lift the burden of sin from a loved one through his repentance and obedience. He continued, Complete healing will come through your faith in Jesus Christ and his power and capacity through his atonement to heal the scars of that which is unjust and undeserved. Unquote. I love that quote, Marlene, especially the part about not having to take responsibility for our children's choices. That healing that Elder Scott mentioned, I have experienced it. It happened over time as I learned to let go and let God meaning I learned to let go of the unnecessary guilt and the pain and the worry that came from my son's choices. And I've learned to let God carry that burden for me. I'm now free to love him just as he is, and I do. I love him with all of my heart. I have learned to turn it over to the Lord. Marlene, I know that you've had to learn to let go of some of your feelings, that, you know, you've had to look to the Lord for help when you were dealing with Austin's cancer, as well as those difficult feelings that you must have experienced when you found out about Courtney's childhood abuse. How did you do that, and what did that look like for you? When we first found out that he had a tumor, I first felt fear and panic, but the moment that I walked into the room where he was, and he and Kayla, I felt peace, and I felt like he was going to be okay. And that fear went away, and I really felt like the Savior was right there with us. Um, then later when he was going through the chemo, and either through text or through a phone call, and he would talk about how hard it was for him, tears would come to my eyes because I wanted to take that away from him. I wanted to as a mother, not have him feel that pain and go through all of that. But 
the Savior was right there with him. He had energy that he needed to do what he needed to do, and the Savior's healing power was right there with all of us, with the whole family. And it's probably a good thing that you weren't allowed to take it from him, I'm guessing. Because just we talked about, you know, it's in our extremities that we really learn to rely on the Lord. And we as mothers naturally would step in and take away those difficult, painful, hard experiences that many of our kids have to face. But that's also where all the growth and, you know, their testimony and reliance on the Savior is developed. That reminds me, Marlene, when you were talking about that, I just had these visions of being in the hospital with a couple of my kids who have um, a genetic disorder, so they've had to have a lot of surgeries. And I always felt that same thing, like, oh, I wish I could take this pain away from them. I just wanted, they were so little, and, and I just felt like, oh, it's just not their fault. Can I just carry this for them as they would cry and cry and I would not be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. I remember Jenica getting in the car when I was trying to lift her after a surgery into the car and she just screamed. She just said, Mm -hmm. God, please help me. I have never forgotten that experience because like you said, it was her at this, she was, I think she was like four or five years old and she's learning that he is going to help her. Yes. And, um, those, those two girls that have really gone through that, I see a strength in them Mm. and a reliance on the savior in their lives because they had to learn how to do that. And I couldn't, take that away from them. And I think about how the Savior has suffered it and probably knows how we feel. Can you imagine how Mm. he wants to take that so badly from us? And yet he knows that he can't. Because if he does, if he takes all of that away from us without us giving it to him, we'll lose lose out on what we need to learn in our extremities. The purpose of being here. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, when um, I found out, when it came to the surface for Courtney and she was going through her healing process, the feelings that I had, one, I felt so bad that she had to go through all of that, but I also felt guilt and shame that I didn't know that she was going through it and that I didn't protect her when she was going through it. So I felt so bad, I thought to myself, how could I have let this happen? Um, I should have known about this, and I could have prevented it. So I probably, I don't know if I did deal with that guilt. I probably kind of pushed it under the rug and didn't deal with it. I have a tendency to not deal and not let my voice and not... Um, make sure that I am heard. I tend to just go on with things, and so it probably still has to be dealt with. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I know that feeling very much so. So, Marlene, I I hear you say that you're still feeling, perhaps when you really stop and evaluate it, a little bit of guilt, 
over feeling like you should have been able to protect Courtney. And I know, Connie, you have also said that you yeah. struggled with some of those same feelings. So how can we help those that are listening today to recognize that that might be some of that unnecessary guilt that Elder Scott was talking about, that you, only God himself knows all things. So there is no way that either one of you could have known it was going to happen or even that it was happening. How can, how can we learn to, to let that go and to let God take care of that hurt and that pain, that guilt? Well, with me, as you're saying that, my, my heart goes to how my mom must have felt and uh, when, when she found out that I was sexually abused. And I, I've watched her. I know that she knows the Savior has watched over me. That has comforted her. And then as my own children have been abused, um, I know that guilt also. And I have felt like I've learned from my mom. I understand the Savior has helped me when I was being abused. And I think as much as I've wanted to take that away, and wish that I could have prevented it. I also know that the Savior's there and He's going to make it all better. He's going to help us get through it. He's going to continue to help them. And it's really all about that healing process. I know that oftentimes it's in our extremities that we really develop that personal relationship with our Savior. Now I know that He would have never wanted you, Connie, to experience that abuse, or Courtney, or we have many other loved ones that have experienced that. It's not that he wanted that for them, but it's amazing how he can turn, how did you say it? Beauty, it's beauty for ashes is how he says it. Yes, he can take these horrible situations and use it for our good. And sometimes it's then and there that we really develop, do you think? Oh, mm -hmm. gosh. That I'm close totally. reliance upon the Savior and relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that same thing because I think there's lots of parents that um, suffer with different kinds of guilt for the actions of our children. Sometimes it might just be that they've seen pornography on our computers and how did I let that happen? How did, mm -hmm. how did I, how, how it being the mom, I'm supposed to be the one that makes sure that those things don't happen. And I think there's so many things. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking about that constant prayer. I have to have in my heart all the time, giving that to my savior. Like I, we could drive ourselves crazy. We right. could drive ourselves insane with, massive amounts of guilt and frustration and the only way to do it is to lay it at the Savior's feet and ask him to take it from us. So in all of this, um, you know, as we're trying to understand what it means to let go and let God, what does that look for it like from the Savior's perspective? Some of the most comforting words comes from the Savior himself. And we read it in the Bible in Matthew eleven, twenty eight through twenty nine. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. 
That reminds me of this quote from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in a talk called Broken Things to Mend. And he says, It seems clear that the essence of our duty and the fundamental requirement of our mortal life is captured in these brief phrases from any number of scenes in the Savior's mortal ministry. He is saying to us, Trust me, learn of me, do what I do. Then when you walk where I am going, he says, we can talk about where you are going and the problems you face and the troubles you have. If you will follow me, I will lead you out of darkness, he promises, and I will give you answers to your prayers. I will give you rest to your souls. You know what that brings to my mind, that quote? is when he's saying, you know, walk where I have walked. He has experienced that, that pain and guilt that mm-hmm. you too just talked about as mothers, right? He knows how you're feeling, and he's already walked there. And I think if we can just understand that, then it makes it easier to, to give it to him, mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. Right, because he suffered that in the Garden of Gethsemane already, all of our pains, all of our guilt. Yep, all of our sorrows. Yes, I love that, Sherry. Repentance is such a remarkable gift that he has given us. Elder Holland, in that same talk, also says, We must change anything we can change that may be part of the problem. In short, we must repent. Perhaps the most hopeful and encouraging word in the Christian vocabulary. We thank our Father in Heaven we are allowed to change. We thank Jesus we can change. And ultimately, we do so only with their divine assistance. Certainly not everything we struggle with is a result of our actions. Often it is a result of the actions of others or just the mortal events of life. But anything we can change, we should change, and we must forgive the rest. In this way, our access to the Savior's atonement becomes as unimpeded as we, with our imperfections, can make it. He will take it from there. I love that, that he will take it from there. Those are those are huge words. Very powerful words. Powerful words. And I feel like I learned that as a mom. When we're talking about, you know, struggling with things that aren't really a result of our own actions, I'm thinking about when I was really sick. I've talked about this in other episodes where I just had a really dark time after my fifth baby just because I got really sick. Um, I started having chronic hives that would just come and I had those for 16 years. You would just pop, they would just pop up on you just when we were out eating and you'd you'd just be right there all over your body. And it took me, I well, I never really did figure out what they were for 16 years. I just had them and I'd have to take this medicine and it would knock me out on the couch. And, you know, here I had these five beautiful children that I'm supposed to be loving and taking care of them, supposed to be the mom and making their life happy. And I was just a dead zombie on the couch. And plus I was feeling the depression of this awful thing we were going through with um, a financial setback from a business that failed because of somebody that we trusted. Anyway, it was, it was awful and dark. And, and so just those circumstances led me to not be a very nice person. I felt oh. like I was, I just felt like a terrible mom. I yelled a lot. I 
probably, I don't really remember what I did. <laughs> I just remember that I, I wasn't very nice. And the thing that, that helped me, I feel, get through that a lot was something that I learned as a simple truth of the atonement that I could not only pray every night for the Lord to forgive me of my sins and the things that I did wrong, but I would plead with him every night to let the atonement of my Savior fix the holes that I put in my children. I mean, that was my prayer, literally, word for word. Heavenly Father, please let the atonement of Christ fix the holes I put in my children today. You know, I, I think you all can... Or the you, world puts in my child, children yeah, today. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, a mother. Yeah. Right, uh, you know, and so that's that's just what gave me a hope that it would be okay. Because we're all mortals, right? We are all, we're all going to struggle. We're all going to struggle with things that happen to us and what, how we act because of what happens to us. Right. 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 We have to take responsibility for our actions. I mean, in your case, you felt absolutely miserable. Those hives made you miserable and then take the medication, help with the hives, but then you were so exhausted it was hard to yeah. function and then there's I, that burden of financial business stuff that goes on i mean it's real all of it all of it yeah yeah i, I know with 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 chris i found that i had felt like i'd tried everything in parenting wise i in trying to help correct his behavior you know we'd used natural and logical consequences and reasoning and all those things and nothing seemed to be getting through and I would get frustrated and angry and then I would yell mm -hmm. and, and then I feel so bad about you know yelling and using that tactic but when I'd look at where is that coming from I'd realize it was fear mm -hmm. I was afraid for his future um, but I had to take responsibility for my action um, some might say, well, yeah, I would have yelled at him too if he would have done this, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. this right. and this and this to your right. family. Or, But no, I I had to take that responsibility and repent, right? And right. that kind of sounds like what you're talking about is right. just using that beautiful gift of repentance that Marlene had mentioned. We can use it every day. And we can show our kids that we know how that works. I remember with my kids, I realized at one point that they had recognize my mothering was different after my twins were born. And I remember asking them one time, um, hey, you guys remember this? And they're like, what, was that before or after the twins? Which really was, does that mean um, before or after bipolar was diagnosed? You know, I mean, it was a, di I was a different person. So I did have to, it was, you guys, that was huge for me. Yeah. I remember looking at them and saying, what? You mean you distinguish my life, your childhood as before or after the bipolar. And that was really important for me to sit down and say, you guys, I am so sorry you've had to deal with that. I am so sorry, but we're going to do this together. And this is, this is life. And I really, I just knew I needed to ask for their forgiveness as well as forgive myself because all of a sudden there was this whole amount of guilt that I was feeling because I was realizing they could determine, you know, distinguish mm -hmm. between, you know, well, when was my mom good? I don't remember. Was That was interesting for me. And as we sit here talking about this, I think, you know, this is what we're talking about. We got to let go yeah, absolutely. of the guilt. And then our kids, right, 
are going to have to learn to let go and to of forgive their thoughts. Yeah. Yes, oh, of what please we forgive did. Us, you know what right? what kind of mothering or parenting they feel like they had, or the things that they were gypped out of. It, it what is it? It's just the circle of life, right? right. They're going to have to learn also to figure out this is. This is what you were dealt with in life. Now, what can you do about it? Like, like Jeffrey R. Holland said, we have to change what we can change. Right. And that's all that all there is. And to let go, we got to let go of the guilt, the anything we don't have, have any control over. Right? Exactly. We only have control over us. I think the adversary uses guilt um, against us. I mm -hmm. think godly sorrow is a good thing and right. can bring us to God, but the guilt, that's yeah. usually a negative thing. Yeah. 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 I believe the same thing. Exactly. I, I love this quote that I found. You may also be struggling to forgive yourself for negative choices that you may have made to cope with the pain of abuse. It is important to learn how to have compassion for yourself. Um, the Lord has said he suits his mercies according to the conditions of the children of men. And that's in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, 15. He knows what you need, and he, he knows how he can help you. You know, I've watched him help my daughter, and um, I've watched her whole life turn around. She has also dealt with sexual abuse, and because of that abuse, she has really dealt with some severe addictions because of um, the consequences of that abuse. And she's going to share her story, her very brave um, yeah. ability to tell this story. And I am just so grateful for her, and I love her so much. I've been thinking a lot about what I wanted to say today. Um, I think I've had very similar experiences to what has already been said. Um, I think in my experience though it kind of turned a different way um at four years old because of someone else's choice i was exposed to sin and addiction um because of this abuse because of this person's actions i developed an addiction on my own even as young as about oh, six years old it was very apparent in my life and in my mind that an addiction was forming it felt to me as if my ability to choose for myself was stripped from me, almost completely. Even as I got older and past the age of accountability, even after I was baptized and washed clean, I found it so hard to resist the temptation and sin that this addiction still brought forth in my life, almost on a constant basis. As I continued to struggle going back and forth between sinning and allowing the atonement into my life, I felt as if I was in this endless cycle and I wasn't breaking free. I wasn't, I was not able to break free. Every time I made a mistake, every time I found myself not as changed as I thought I should be, I allowed that to push me farther and farther away from Christ and from repentance. And... After finding myself in the lowest place that this addiction has ever brought me to and realizing how bad it really has gotten, I finally realized that I completely lost myself. And in that moment, for the first time in about a year and a half to maybe two years, I prayed. 
I said a prayer because the darkness had just completely overwhelmed me. I felt so alone. The weight of where I was and what I had done had crushed me completely. I just said a prayer, simply just asking God, please let me sleep. And I was granted that request. And I then found myself with two choices. I could continue living my life the way I had been, with no regard for myself, for my son, for my loved ones, and no regard for Christ and my Heavenly Father and what they wanted for me. To just continue to be miserable and lose everything I held dear, which at that time was a very real possibility. Or I could allow myself to feel the godly sorrow, not the guilt, because guilt pushes you away from Christ. Sorrow and humility brings you close. So I could feel that godly sorrow and allow God back into my life. It seemed like such an easy choice, but it was not easy. It was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do, to go in front of a servant of God, which was my bishop, and to tell him everything I have done. The moment that I did that, you. You know, I think in this world, we are so scared of being judged. We are so scared of letting people know we've made mistakes. We're scared to show people who we really are. Well, not, not who we really are. I know I'm not that person, but Satan and sin turns us into something. It changes you in a different way, where we believe our nature is stronger than our spirits. <clears throat> Anyways, I think, I think we're so worried about being judged and being flawed that we keep it to ourselves. Not truly understanding or even remembering that God already knows. He knows and has seen every single time we have chosen to sin. Every time we've lied, every time we've sinned. He already knows. So who cares what one person thinks? If you, if you have to go to the bishop, who cares what he thinks? He's just a man. But you are not confessing it to a man. You are confessing it to God. He is just a tool in the hands of our Heavenly Father. God already knows. He just wants you to take responsibility. There's consequences to sinning, but ultimately, as I started that process of going to my bishop, and f as I finished telling him what I had done, <clears throat> you know, when I, when I looked, when I finally looked up to my bishop's face, into his eyes, it was as if I was looking at Christ himself. I could so strongly feel the spirit of my savior and I could see through his eyes that love and compassion and understanding and willingness to help and, and joy that I was there even though I had just told him I had sinned, even though I had forsaken him for so long, it was nothing but love. And that's when I realized I had been denying myself for so long of that love, of his glorious presence in my life, of his helping hand. And as I continue to try and be better, I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, I still struggle a lot with the aspects of my addiction, but the thing is, the, the difference is, I know I'm changed. I think for a long time I believed that I was not truly changed, or that I couldn't really truly have the fulfillness, I mean the fullness of the atonement, unless I completely 100% never ever made a mistake again, never struggled again. And that is so false because we are human and we will never get to the point in this life where we will not need the atonement. And I hope that one day, no, I'm, I know 
because it's already happened and I've already seen it in my life, but the struggle and the draw to commit certain sins will be lessened and my sins will be smaller and they will continue to shrink and the severity of them will lessen and and continue to do so until eventually the choice not to sin is the only choice to be made. Repentance is a process. In this life, it's an endless one. As of right now, I know I am still changed. I know because I know what's in my heart. I know that I am constantly seeking for more change and for reminders of who Christ is in my life. There's so much that we don't know that I don't know and so much we might not understand. But one thing we do know is that we cannot be ignorant especially in these last days. I think a lot of time in my own life, I've told myself that I can be this way or do these things because I have time. I'll just repent later. And those are traps. Those are things that keep you from continuing the full process of changing and repenting. Meaning that you stop doing your part of that process, which is to actively separate yourself from the temptations and sins. We, we do not change us. Christ changes us. But we have to allow him into our lives and to actually actively follow him, know him, and listen to him for us to find ourselves in that constant state of changing, that continuous state of changing. We can change our behavior and our actions to better our lives and to better live our lives in the way that our Heavenly Father asks of us. And in doing so, and in constantly turning to his Son, our Savior, our very natures will change. And we will experience true, true repentance, true atoning love, and in the end, true and everlasting change. Kaylee, thank you so much for sharing that experience and being willing to be vulnerable and share that because that's going to help so many people. That is, it was beautiful, and thank you so much. Absolutely. There's a quote that I found that I think applies here says, are you battling a demon of addiction, tobacco or drugs or gambling, or the pernicious contemporary plague of sexual addiction and pornography? Is your marriage in trouble or your child in danger? Are you confused with gender identity or searching for self-esteem? Do you or someone you love face disease or depression or death? Whatever other steps you may need to take to resolve these concerns, come first to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Trust in heaven's promises. In that regard, Alma's testimony in the Book of Mormon is my testimony. I do know, he says, that whosoever shall put their trust in God shall be supported in their trials and their troubles and their afflictions. We've been talking tonight about let go and let God. The first time I remember hearing about that was in a 12-step program with my son. And I was amazed to watch him at that point in his life as he had overcome the, I don't know that you'd say the effects of addiction. A true addict is never completely right. healed or it's, it's, it's always there and something they have to be mindful of. But as he was in high school, there was about a year and a half, two-year period where he really took seriously the 12-step program. And it was amazing to see how he learned to let go, to let go of those past mistakes and to let God guide his future. And that's really kind of what that means. you got to let go of the guilt, the you know unnecessary guilt or the pain or whatever it is 
that might be holding you back, that's getting in the way of you moving forward and healing. And look to God. Look to God for help and for that healing, for guidance and direction with whatever it is that you are facing. And I remember talking to him one day as we were on our way to church, and I said, you know, I cannot think of another teenager that's learned to rely on their higher power, which is what the 12-step program calls it. We know, of course, that is God and, and Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I said, like you have, Chris, it's really remarkable. Unfortunately, over time, you know, he relapsed, and, and then the behaviors that go with that drug addiction is what landed him in prison. Um, but I hope that he knows, as well as anybody listening, that is never too late to turn to the Savior. Um, you've never used up your chances, so to speak. He is always there and willing to meet you where you are and to take your hand and help you move forward. I love this um, quote by Elder Holland, and he says, however late you think you are, however many chances you think you have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made, or talents you think you don't have, or however far from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. I add my witness to those words. The Savior is the Master Healer, and our hope is that together we can all learn to let go of what we can let go of and allow the Savior to fill us up with His love and light. So until next time, we hope you will all stay under His wings. <laughs>